You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Hi there, it's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd. And uh, kicking off our week on the show, we talked all about samosas as it was World Samosa Day. And who better to talk samosas with than the Michelin star chef, Vanit Batia? We also headed to Alice in Wonderland. That's going to become a theatre at the QE2. Uh, we spoke to Rob Juice from Outside the Box Events. Paris Norris took us on another adventure and told us how he films his production and film for his TV show, Guy in Dubai. And music rounding things off, we spoke to Mark Wan all about his rap and his rhymes. Enjoy this podcast and don't forget to join me live weekdays from 11 o'clock right here on Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Lunch with Lloyd. And I can tell you today is World Samosa Day. And we were thinking, who is the expert on uh, on a samosa? And, well, we managed to get, and we're very, very happy to get, our uh, Michelin star chef, Vinit Batia, joining us on the show. I'll say good morning, Dubai time. Vinit, how are you? Good morning, Lloyd. Very well, thank you. I'm in this uh, nice and bright London today. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm loving your glasses um, that, that you've got on there, Vinit. You look super, super cool, I've got to say. Um, so tell me, uh, how, how are you? What have you been getting up to of late? It's, it's, been, it's been fantastic. You know, the last whole year was on lockdown. I was based in Dubai. I literally came in, what, three weeks back to London. So it's nice to come for a little change here. And, yeah. uh, I can't wait to get back to, to Dubai and uh, get ready for the expo. Yeah. I think so- it means a lot for all of us in, uh, in Dubai. And it's going to be fantastic. So really, really looking forward for that. Yeah, it certainly is. So uh, today is World Samosa Day. So first of all, Chef, maybe you can tell me where, where samosas actually originate from. It's very difficult to actually pinpoint and say where the samosas are from because uh, there's a lot of mystery around it. Uh, but I would say it probably originates from somewhere around the central uh, Middle East. I would say more of Persian. That's the origin from where it comes from. So more of uh, the old parts of uh, Iran, Iraq and stuff like those. You know, that belt is where it comes from. In fact, in the Middle East, uh, samosa is known as sambosak. That is how it actually came through. Okay. And when the Mughals came to India in the 13th century or the 12th century, they actually got the samosas with them. And then the Indians put in their own fillings of the potatoes and the peas. So what you get now as a classic samosa, known as a very iconic Indian dish, actually originates from the Middle East. So what do you think makes it so popular? I mean, we see them everywhere here in Dubai. Um, why is it such a popular snack, Vineet? It is, it is a very Moorish piece of uh, food to eat. You know, it's very easy to handle. It's got a beautiful, crisp exterior. So the edges of a samosa, the triangular ones, have got points. So they become very crispy. So as you bite into them, you get a very nice, crisp uh, feel to your palate. And then goes in your filling inside, which is generally very luxurious and soft. So you have the contrast of the crispiness, mm-hmm. the softness of the filling, the buttery or the ghee they add into the dough makes it extremely Moorish. There's nothing which you can hate about it. It's an easy snack to have. It can have with a lot of things. You can have with some chutneys. You can have with some relishes. You can have with a dip. Yep. Sometimes I put it between two slices of bread and have it like a sandwich. You know? <laughs> of course, any kind of a drink, a good masala chai, a kadak chai, uh, it works well, a lassi. Yeah, it's, it's spot on, isn't it? Now, you've made your own unique samosa, and it's called Chocomosa. So t- what, tell me more about that, Vinit. 
Chocobo, sir, came back uh, way back in 93, 94 when I first moved to the UK. Uh, a guest came and said, oh, Indian food is Indian food. There's no innovation going on. A samosa will always be a samosa. And that really wound me up. And I love a challenge. Yeah. So I said, come back in a week's time. I'll do something special for you. And I tried it out in my kitchen. And my chef said, uh, chef has gone bonkers. Nothing can happen with that. How <laughs> who puts a samosa with chocolates? Yeah. How good to ooze out? But I cracked it up on the third day. And I gave it to my team on a blind tasting. And I said, now try it and tell me what it is. And they just fell in love with it. You know, since then, you know, it's been almost like, uh, what, 27, 28 years now. It's on all our menus. And it, it's a classic. It, it works. It is such a heartwarming dish to finish off your meal, the chocomosa. It is divine. Really divine. Talk me through uh, the actual process of making it. Um, you know, how you approach making this chocomosa. It sounds delicious. The, the dough is made out of flour. And you add a small quantity of fat in that. You can use oil or butter and you knead it into a very stiff dough. And then you roll them out into long sheets. And then you cut them into large, like a pasta sheets. Yeah. And we do a flat samosa. So we fill them with dark chocolate. We fill them with the white chocolate. We fill them with roasted almonds. But there's a technique of how do you actually fold the samosas or how do you make the filling so that all the fat which is there in the chocolate does not really ooze out. So that is a trick which we do to actually keep it all intact. The main thing is when you fill the chocolate inside a samosa, the edges have to be sealed because when you put it into hot oil, there should be no oil going inside the samosa. If that happens, the samosa will burst open and the chocolate will ooze out. You don't want that. The chocolate will only ooze out when you actually bite into it. And when that first bite goes into your mouth and the lovely dark uh, chocolate and the sweetness of the white chocolate with the roasted almond just goes into your mouth, it is a sensational feeling. You know, the, the feeling is so nice. And we accompany that with normally with some ice cream. I mean, at home wow. you can have vanilla ice cream or at restaurant we do flavored ice cream with cardamom or with saffron. It is just the blend of the hot and the cold, the crisp texture, the softness of the palate. That whole thing excites your palate, you know, excites your senses. Yeah. And that is what so special. That sounds like some dessert. Now, you're in the UK at the moment, as we mentioned. Just remind us of, of your restaurants right here in Dubai and where we can go along and sample one of these chocomosas. Uh, the first one was is Indigo, which is in uh, the Grosvenor House in Dubai Marina. I still remember when I first went there in 2004, the Grosvenor House was being built then. So there was no wow. JLT, there was no JBR, there was no palm. Yeah. So I remember the whole Dubai Marina mushrooming up into something gorgeous now. Uh, so we've got Indigo at Grosvenor House, which is now currently under renovation. It opens up in the middle of October with a, a complete refit. After almost 16 years, it'll be a second uh, innings for us. Okay. And the second one is uh, India by Vineet at the Royal Meridian in JBR. Uh, so that's India with an I-N-D-Y-A. That's our take on more of a simple kind of a street food vibe. It's more of a fun place, more of a relaxed place. Uh, you don't need to dress up for the occasion. You can just walk in. You can mm -hmm. enjoy a great drink. You can enjoy some great food. And it is all tapa style. It's all mesa style. So it's all sharing. So you sit with your friends and family. And have a blast. Uh, so as a Michelin star chef, I mean, how do you stay on top of your game and, uh, you know, get new inspiration and, uh, you know, kind of forge ahead and keep everything nice and fresh? I think I'm very fortunate because, Chris, I actually travel a lot. So I am constantly traveling around the world to see my restaurants or to do uh, uh, ambassador roles for our, uh, for our food. And you actually learn a lot. You get a lot of experience. You learn a lot of new things as you travel. But there's always one base under thing with all the cuisines around the world. Their basic foundations are very much similar. It's only the ingredients change and the spices or the flavors change. The rest remains the same. The grilling, poaching, all that remains. So that for me as a chef, I find it very inspiring. 
I also find it very inspiring to be actually able to speak to our guests to see what they like. So what we try and do is try and uh, bring back things with a travel, but respecting the local culture. So say like you're in Dubai, for example, you will respect the Emirati culture. So we do a, a dish called as a chicken habibi, which is basically a chicken tikka, which has a yogurt marinade, but it is flavored with a local flavor with za'atar. So that is a sensibility which you have towards the local community and mm. the local culture. So as a mark of respect, we always incorporate that. So all these things, keeping into mind, we will actually prepare our menus or we'll plan our dishes just to make sure that if a new person to Indian cuisine comes to our restaurant, there will be always a sense of familiarity. There will always be something which they would recognize in some shape and form. And that is what attracts them to get back. So inspirations are all around us. You know, it is how you look at things, how you want to improvise things and how can you actually add things into your own cuisine and make more friends. Finally, Vinny, um, on World Samosa Day, are you going to be partaking of, of, of a samosa, a snack today? Yes, today I have. Yes, I'm going to make some samosa at home. I'm going to make a classic one, which is with potatoes and peas, and serve that with a wonderful herby green chutney. Amazing. Send on down to the studios. I would love to try it. Uh, that's it. Uh, once again, that's uh, me, uh, Vinny Batia, um, talking to us on what is World Samosa Day, and look forward to seeing you back uh, in, in Dubai, Vinny. I can't wait to get back. Trying to get back to Dubai. Real pleasure to have you uh, on the show. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Right now, we're heading back to 1865, when a certain Lewis Carroll wrote a children's tale called Alice in Wonderland. And it's still alive and well in 2021. And to tell us more about it is uh, Rob Juice. He's the CEO of Outside the Box um, events. Uh, Alice in Wonderland coming to Theatre by QE2. Rob, great news. Um, so tell me all about it and why you're bringing it. Uh, why we're bringing it. It's a great show, Mark, as you know. Um, it's uh, all about Alice and her uh, disappearing down a rabbit hole, chasing the white rabbit, lots of mad hattering going on, lots yeah. of queen of hearts <laughs> off of their head. It's all, it's all happening. They just never date, do they, things like this. I mean, as I mentioned yeah. there, it was written in 1865 and still enthralls kids to this date. Yeah, it does, and and it's there's there's, there's there's certain things are classics. Um, Alice in Wonderland is one of them. Um, there 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 are others that, that that will just you know continue in perpetuity. Um, and then sort of you know the Winnie the Pooh sort of thing. Um, yeah. The, the wind in the willows. Yeah. That sort of thing. They, they are wonderful, wonderful stories. But yeah, Alice is uh, Alice is ours. In a couple of weeks' time, we're um, we're there on the start on the seventh of October. Um, we have, um, yeah, Alice in Wonderland at, um, at Theatre by QB2, so it's great. Looking forward to it. Uh, so where is the cast for this uh, coming from, uh, uh, Rob? Well, coming, coming from the UK, um, it's uh, with, uh, with our production partners, H2, who are uh, bringing the cast over. Obviously now double vaccinated and um, PCR tested and uh, fully sanitised on the way over. We spray them down, we do all sorts of things. <laughs> I don't, I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that. Is that all the animals as well? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, the, the, yeah, the, the suits all have to be uh, nice and uh, sanitised and stuff like that, because obviously there'll be a, a rabbit suit and, you know, sort of the, the, the costumes. You, you, you can't really sort of... You need to put a, a bit of fur around the man. He, he can't just be in a suit. He has to look a bit more like a rabbit. Uh, OK, so um, this is happening, as you said, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, it must be great to get things uh, going again um, at Theatre by QE2. Um, I know there's a lot more to look forward to, which we'll talk about um, in, in the future. Uh, but what kind of age group are you looking to attract to uh, this particular Alice, show? 
Alice in Wonderland runs from probably three to four, three, three and four-year-old, all the way up to sort of 11 and 12-year-old. It's, it's certainly the, um, it's years years one to six and early years is what you're looking at, if you're, if you're thinking about it from a school point of view. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're looking at. We, we've, we've got, I know you, I'll talk about it straight away if that's right, straight, the week afterwards, we've also got horrible histories coming in, and that's that little bit older. Um, yeah, because obviously, it's a, but, but yeah, Alice is that little bit younger, and it's yeah, it's, it's looking forward to it. Um, so, how many performances, uh, Rob, and, and, and tickets for for this uh, particular production? Tickets are in, tickets are on sale at uh, obviously www.theatrebyqe2.com and also on Platinum List. Um, shows we've got a seventh of October, seven pm, uh, which is a Thursday evening, so it's an early evening show, and then we've got. Uh, of course, Fridays and Saturdays, 10 and 3, 11 and 3. And then we have school shows um, for the few days after that because it's not quite half term. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it. So it's only five performances at Theatre by QE2. We then tour it around a bit. Do you, do you want me to tell them more about that? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Cool, OK. We're then touring it around a bit because we're, we're then off to um, uh, Theatre by Earth, which is our new venue in Abu Dhabi, which I, I think I sent you details about the other day. Um, and then hopefully we're then going to go off to another venue, which I can't tell you about because it's secret and we've not signed the contract yet. <laughs> okay, so Alice is <laughs> she's going to be a busy lady, is our Alice, isn't she? Uh, Alice, Alice and the White Rabbit are going to be running around like. <laughs> um, how can I put it? I was trying to say something else. <laughs> and it yeah, t- like March, March Mad Hair, like a March Hair, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about this new venue in Abu Dhabi and what uh, we can expect from this in the future. Yeah, but basically we, we signed an um, agreement last week to work with Earth, uh, Earth Abu Dhabi. Earth is spelled E-R-T-H, if anyone wants to go and look at it. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it means legacy in Arabic. And it's a rebranding of what used to be the Armed Forces Officers Club. Uh, yeah, sorry, Armed mm-hmm. Forces Officers Club and Hotel. Um, and that's now being refurbished. It's been rebranded. Um, it's, it's open. And it's happening, and, and we are now running the 631-seat theatre. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful theatre. Um, and we'll be taking stuff that's not just here, that's here, there. Um, so it'll be stuff we do in Dubai, and then we do in Abu Dhabi. But we're also looking at putting some Emirati and Arabic theatre into Abu Dhabi as well, because we believe it's something we've not really touched, because the Q2 is obviously very British-centric. But moving down to, to Abu Dhabi, you can, you can sort of... I know, spread your wings and start to see what works. Mm. So we're looking forward to it. it. It's a fabulous venue. I'd love you to come down and have a look, Mark. Very exciting times then for uh, Outside uh, the Box. Once again, um, if we want to come along and, and see Alice in Wonderland, where can we get tickets, Rob? Uh, com, or, of course, at PlatinumList.net, who, uh, who you'll end up buying from. Um, and, yeah, this, get, get, get your tickets. They're going fast. We're, um, we're looking forward to it. It should be very exciting. An exciting quarter four is coming, Mark, at last. Yes. Rob Juice there, CEO of Outside the Box Events. Looking forward to Alice in Wonderland arriving on the QE2. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. You certainly are. Lunch with Lloyd through the hour of two o'clock. Next, we are heading to uh, the lines and also uh, catching up on Microsoft Teams with Guy in Dubai, Paris Norris. Paris, how are you today, sir? I'm superb. Thanks, Mark. How are you? Very, very good. Real pleasure to have you on the show as uh, ever. Now, I mean, we, we speak um, pretty much every week uh, about some of the adventures that you go on. Uh, sometimes it's 
diving down to shipwrecks underwater, maybe in a, a hot air balloon going across the desert. Uh, you do all kinds of different things. And uh, I thought this week it'd be interesting to find out exactly how you do it and what kind of a team you have to put your show together, Guy, in, in Dubai. So what are some of the, you know, um, some of the people behind the scenes, let's say, and uh, also how do you put these shows together? Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you uh, asked about this topic because there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes that people don't see. Because obviously what we look to create is is a feeling that somebody is in the experience in the videos that we create. But mm-hmm. in order to do that, we have to uh, film multiple angles, multiple shots. Uh, a lot of what we do is action videography. So uh, it's particularly difficult uh, to, to, to do sometimes. And it requires a lot of planning and preparation. And the bit that people don't see is, you know, when I'm, you know, rock climbing or when I'm under the water uh, looking at a shipwreck, as you said, or, or uh, you know, f- flying through the air uh, skydiving. What they don't realize is there's someone else also doing that, but with the camera in their hands, you know. So <laughs> They've got so, an even more so difficult what, job. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They're the real action men, honestly. So, so you know, I'm... I'm and, and they're, they're always one step ahead of me in the fact that they are usually much better at it than I am um, and, and can do that. So, so yes, yeah, so effectively, you know, the bit that people don't see is, is uh, I have a, a company called GID Media Production, which is our production company. And the guys that work with me um, are, have num- you know, a huge amount of years, not just doing videography and directing, but in doing uh, underwater videography uh you know action shots and things like this so so just to give you an idea of you know how it actually sort of looks as a as an example of an episode you mentioned there the diving to shipwrecks and you know that's one that we we did recently and was particularly troublesome in terms of filming because um we we first of all we had to make sure that we actually found the shipwrecks yeah. so that's you know that's not guaranteed you know so that 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 requires a lot of a lot of uh, uh, preparation, ensuring that we've got the right person to take us out, um, because you know otherwise you can have your whole crew there and and you didn't get to film what you're Can't looking find to film. The ship. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the most important bit is that we find the ship, uh, and then you know with scuba diving you uh, you can't communicate uh, by talking obviously, so you 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 use mm. um, sign language. Uh, and you have the, the sort of basic sign language that you use in order to talk with your other scuba divers. But when you're filming, we have to come up with our own uh, sign language. So we have we, we actually have to say, right, if I say three, this means that you're going to go through the hole and then film me come through it. Uh, if I say two, it means I'm going to go through and then you're going to film. You know, So we have to come up with this uh, methodology of how we're going to film and be able to communicate that with sign language under the water which is often very frustrating because sometimes we don't really know what we're trying to tell each yeah, other yeah, <laughs> we don't yeah. get the shot and you know you can't get frustrated under the water there's really no uh, there's no point um and and we also have to make sure it's it's not just me and my cameraman we have to have uh, a buddy for each of us so you know we've got somebody looking after each of us in case something happens and the last time we filmed my my cameraman uh who's is also the director of our show but he's a, a very a uh, very good underwater cameraman, a guy called Shane Cairn, who I've known for uh, over 20 years. And um, 
he, he had a problem with his mask. And of course, it's very difficult to sort these problems out when you've got a camera in your hand. You, his, his focus is on me, but now he can't see anything. And so, you know, we, we had to stop and help him out for a bit. But he was really confused about what was going on. And of course, the safety aspects are, are you know, have to be looked after first. And, um, uh, you know, so, so, so there's a lot, to, a, a lot to think about when, when we're doing things uh, under the water like that. Um, equally, we, we have a completely different scenario when, we, when we're filming in the air. Um, as you know, I do things like paramotoring and I fly planes and do uh, uh, skydiving. And, uh, uh, you know, you want to give that experience that people are with you. But if you miss the shot, um, you've got to do it again. So quite often we have to retake and retake and retake. And then in the edit, we piece it together like one experience uh, because we need multiple angles and so forth. So it quite often looks like I just did a jump or flew in a particular space. And uh, what people don't see is that often i've done that three or four times i remember you telling me about um you going on uh, the world's fastest roller coaster i believe up in abu dhabi (laughs) you know i mean once would be enough for anyone but i think you had to do that four times paris four times in a row and uh uh, yeah actually i quite enjoyed it to be honest um but uh yeah we, we we had to make sure that the cameras were first of all attached on on the roller coaster facing forward and then we had to do it again facing backwards uh meanwhile my camera guys are setting up the cameras around in different places so we've got multiple angles because if we if we don't have for something like that like five or six different angles Mm. um people don't really feel like they're in the experience with you and they don't really get a grasp of it so so we really try and uh you know get as many different angles and also remembering that sometimes you you take the shot, but it's out of focus or it's just not very good. And so you have to cut a lot of things as well. So so you, you need as many options as you can get. And I mean, for one episode of Guy in Dubai, you know, how much once you've got your footage, how much editing um, is required and how much time do you spend kind of putting it all together? A huge amount. And uh, we've this season, we've really raised the whole standard with our editing um, I've uh, got an editor working with me called Keith Dallison, who's been doing it for, uh, well, he wouldn't like me to tell you how long he's been doing it for. <laughs> That's how old he is. And uh, he's doing a fantastic job at the moment. And we're still working on on the edits right now from what we filmed in, in May. So it's taking longer than I expected, but the quality is, is a lot higher. And, you know, really you can do magic in editing. And quite often when we haven't managed to get all the shots we really needed in the actual shoot and maybe we were a little bit light on on footage we have to make up for that in the editing so we have to really create some magic and yeah and build some build some stories to it and and also you know we, we film all these bits with you know when you look at all the footage none of it really connects together and you have to go okay i can connect her saying that with him walking in there and you know you have to try and create the story from the Mm. random bits of footage that you've taken and of course you never know what people are actually going to say on the day and and what what might come out in an interview so when you have it you're like you have to see how you can create a story out of it and and uh, uh that's really where the creativity and the magic happens well uh, certainly there's a lot of magic in your shows um where can we see them and, and when is your new season of guy in dubai due to uh, be aired so the new season 
I mean, to be honest, we're a little bit late. I was hoping that we were going to air already. Uh, but because we have been putting more detail to the to the edits, uh, we're still going and looking to get those out this month. Uh, you can catch us on OSN Streaming. Uh, you can catch us if you're abroad on Amazon Prime. And if you're traveling on any of the airlines, uh, we're also on the in-flight entertainment. Uh, or if you just want to see whatever it is that we're doing on a day-to-day basis, um, and the, the adventures have started up already now, um, you can check, uh, check us out on social media at Guy in Dubai. Paris Norris, always a pleasure. Four times on the world's fastest roller coaster. You get my respect, for sure. Yeah. I don't think I'd make one. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show. And we're going to talk a little bit of rap up next with Mark One. Uh, we've got two Marks on the show today. Uh, Mark One, a very good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself, boy? Fantastic, sir. Um, so, you're a 23-year-old experimental rapper, producer, and engineer. So, uh, how did you first get into rap music, uh, Mark? I was uh, 13 years old, and like one of my friends, uh, he brought over his new iPod, and he just played this music, and it blew my mind. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, this is Eminem, this is rap music, man. And then the story just began from there. Since the past 10 years, I've been doing this. Um, okay, so uh, it was a friend that got you into it. So who were some of your favorite artists then that um, you know, have influenced your style of, of rap? Uh, it usually changes over phases, but right now I'm listening to a lot of uh, Kendrick Lamar, some Kanye West, uh, a lot of underground musicians like uh, Billy Wood, uh, More Mother, and a lot of experimental artists. Uh, I mean, Kanye West just released his new album, which I believe is um, is flying off the shelves. Have you got yourself a copy of it yet? Uh, I mean, it's all on Apple Music and like streaming services, so I've been just listening to it on repeat all the time. And w- what do you make of it? Uh, I I love it. It's it's a bit uh, I don't know. It's it's polarizing, but it's 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 what Kanye does best, and I love what he does usually, and it's it's no different than his previous work. What about the actual scene here in Dubai when it comes to to rappers? Is there, is there quite a community of, of you guys, the R&B rap guys uh, across the city? Um, I would say there's a huge growing uh, scene and a movement happening right now. And a lot of the artists are connected well with each other. We are all, uh, you know, driving to push each other uh, to do better, you know, network with each other and uh, do more events and whatnot. But um, the infrastructure is still being built for, you know, musicians to have sustainable careers uh, as full-time musicians or as full-time artists, engineers, producers, whatnot. But the scene is definitely thriving. There is a, there's a lot of interesting perspective here in the world, um, especially this part of the world. So is it poetry for you? Um, do you get involved with the beats, the actual production, or is it purely lyrics um, that you write, Mark? It's started as a purely lyrical thing, but then I realized I needed a producer. I needed the Sonics, uh, someone to do it for me. But then I realized even that um, the vision can only be translated as much as possible verbally. So I started producing for myself and like A to Z, uh, all the work uh, is done by me right now. So you're a one man band now. Uh, we've got a clip of a song called Sandbox. Um, give me the, uh, the story behind this, uh, Mark. So one of the things, uh, one of the issues that I really had with, uh, you know, Dubai's image when it comes to hip hop is a lot of, uh, you know, international artists, they talk about Dubai as if it's just a place for celebration, for opulence, for luxury. But I wanted to give my perspective as a local expat, uh, like an expat living in the city, 
just the little things, you know, the small tea shops, the little culture, the financial situations and things like that. So I wanted to bring that to life on this record. And that's kind of what I did with Sandbox. Let's have a, let's have a little listen then. Uh, this is once again uh, Mark One. She don't lack imagination. Caught up with catching up, building for a statement. Waving what they make it. Wager is their wages. Slaving away inside of our stripping, but they naked. Going in or going out, cash the heat, come back, repeat your game. Yeah, we don't allow wallets, hold us hostage, and the process never own a route. Divas don't know Diva, no the bills when the coin in drought. Stuck inside a rock, inside a box, inside of all our dreams. All the blood and family be back at home and never leave. Dreaming of a penthouse when the people stuck the mezzanine. Yeah, we stuck, we never leave. Yeah, I've been the man, always in the man. That sandbox then, um, loving the production on that, Mark. Um, is that done in a studio or is it done at home? Uh, just talk me through the production side of it. So the production, this is the only song I've released to date that was uh, produced by someone else. I found this beat on a rap competition locally on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, I absolutely fell in love with the beat. I reached out to the producer and I was like, I usually don't do beats with other uh, producers, but I love this one. Um, he was very open to it. His name is 77. He's absolutely fantastic. How do they how do they create these beats? Is it is it basically a drum machine and uh, you know get 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 stuck into to your groove? Uh yeah, mostly it's all done in the computer. It's called the DAW, a digital audio workstation, and there are plenty of softwares and DAWs. It's like Photoshop for audio. Nice. Okay, so uh, Sandbox, uh, Sandbox is it available um, online yet? Yes, on all platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, any major online platform. And uh, is there more to come? Uh, you know, are, are you going to follow follow Sandbox up with uh, another tune? Uh, definitely, a lot of things in the works, a lot of collaborations in the works. But uh, I usually, I just act like a hermit. I release a song, I disappear, then I come back with a new one. So, where can people follow you if they want to keep up with uh, your music and uh, and what you're getting up to, Mark? Uh, my Instagram handle is at real underscore mark underscore one. And that's my handle for all my social media platforms and people can find me. Brilliant, Mark. One, um, real pleasure to have you uh, on the show. Keep rapping, keep rhyming and uh, keep those beats coming along. And uh, I'm sure we're going to chat to you with more in the future.